All right, folks, here we are back once again. I just finished watching episode two of The Wheel of Time. And how do I feel about it now? Uh, well, let's talk about that today on The Streaming Fool. Hello and welcome to The Streaming Fool, the podcast that's living a great big nerdy dream right now. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And hey, for y'all, it's Tuesday, I suppose, depending on how you listen to these. For me, I just got done watching episode two of The Wheel of Time. I had watched episode one, recorded the episode that I put out yesterday, and then sat right back down and watched episode two. And I think I'm even more into this show now than I was with the first episode. I mean, so much is different, but it all feels so comfortable. And good Lord, I'm just loving the crap out of it. All right. So this episode, episode number two is called Shadows Waiting. And here's what uh, Wikipedia has to say about it. In a white cloak encampment, the white cloaks burn and Aes Sedai for being a witch. The two rivers villagers, Matt, Egwene, Rand, and Perrin, flee with Moraine and Lan from pursuing Trollocs and a fade. They flee across the ferry at Terran's Ferry, and to prevent the Trollocs from following, Moraine uses the one power to sink the ferry, incidentally killing the ferryman, which disturbs the villagers. Along their journey to Tarvalon, Egwene learns that she has the potential to channel. Perrin encounters wolves. The villagers have disturbing dreams about the Dark One, Baal Zaman, and mistrust and tension between Moraine and Lan and the villagers grow. Moraine grows more weary and exhausted from her injury, and when Trollocs catch up, Lan makes the rash decision to have them enter Shadar Logoth to escape. While in Shadar Logoth, the group is attacked and separated by Mashadar, the twisted evil that inhabits the city. The group is separated and all end wondering where the others are, while Nynaeve appears and confronts Lan about where the villagers are. All right, so here's the thing about these Wikipedia freaking entries here, folks. Uh, there's no mention in the episode that the twisted evil that coats the city of Shatter Logoth is called Mashadar. We know it. Those of us who've read the books, we know it. But they're giving that to you right here in the in the description, which uh, I find amusing for some reason. It's like, if it's not mentioned in the episode, how do you know it when you're doing the uh, freaking synopsis? Because you just know, because you read the books. So, okay, yeah. Uh, again, another great freaking episode. Two pretty freaking awesome episodes in a row. The four folks, the four characters are four heroes from the two rivers. They are now on the run with Lan and Moraine. The Trollocs are chasing them. It's a really great scene when they reach Terran Ferry and they jump on the, the ferry boat. There's the the ferryman. It's it's nighttime and the ferryman is just sitting there outside his little hut sleeping with his hood up and they wake him up and they give him money and they say, we need to get across the river and you'll get twice that much when we get to the other side. And he's like, hey, my son will be here soon. And they're like, no, nah, you're taking us now. And so they all get on the ferry and they're about halfway across when the Trollocs show up and they just, they crowd the fricking dock on the, on the side of the river. Apparently Trollocs do not like deep water, so they will not cross the river unless there is a boat or a ferry. So they're just standing there snarling and 
Man, the scene of them running through the forest, chasing them through the forest was pretty awesome because some of the Trollocs run on two legs, some run on all fours, and it's they are just some creepy, creepy looking dudes or ladies or or, or whatever. I'm assuming they're all asexual. They're just these freaking monsters that probably burst out of the ground when they're born. I, I don't know. I don't remember them ever getting into that in the books. Anyway... As they're on the dock, these Trollocs, and they're roaring and snarling, and the 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 Two Rivers folks with Lan and Moraine and the the ferrymen, they're they're on the ferry watching. It's very slowly, this this the, they they call it a fade. It's a mere drawl. We haven't heard that word yet in the show, but this fade on horseback. Think of it as a ring wraith, basically. Uh, that's kind of what we're going for here. That's I'm sure what Robert Jordan based the fades on they are uh creatures of the dark one they're basically like if if the if the trollocs are the foot soldiers the the fades are the ones that send them into battle the fades are are much more powerful than the trollocs um they are very hard to kill usually takes about three or four people fighting one fade to kill it and as it says in the books even after a fade is dead it doesn't quite know it's dead yet. And so it takes can take hours for a fade to fully die, just thrashing about violently. And they're just very creepy. They're very, they're pale. They're white. They don't have any eyes. We don't see the uh, the full face of this fade in this episode. It's got its hood covering most of its face, but it does open its mouth full of razor sharp pointy teeth and it and it growls and roars and hisses and it's it's freaking creepy. It's the stuff of nightmares. And so when they get to the other side of the river, they all get off of the ferry and Moraine is telling the ferryman that he can't go back. And the ferryman says, well, I have to go back. What about my family? My son should be arriving any moment. And she's like, there's nothing we can do about that. We'll take you to the next town and keep you safe and gives him his money. And he's like, no, I've, I've got to go back. And she says, I, I can't allow that. I cannot allow you to provide something that the Trollocs and the Fade can use to cross this river. In the meantime, Lan pulls out his sword and severs the rope that uh, they use to draw the ferry across the river. And so the ferry goes floating out into the river. Moraine uses the one power then to sink the ferry. And as she's creating this, this whirlwind, what do you call it? A whirlpool in the middle of the river, the the ferryman is basically, he's like, I, I have to get back to my family. I have to get back to my son. I've got to get over there. And he tells her, the White Cloaks are right. You Aes Sedai are monsters. He dives back into the river, swims to the freaking ferry, climbs aboard just in time for it to be pulled under and burst into pieces. And so he dies. Um, the episode does open with a group of soldiers that they refer to as the White Cloaks. These are... Soldiers that dress all in white, they are basically like religious fanatics. If you have the dark one, then the the good part of the world is the light, and they walk in the light, and they make sure that everyone else is walking in the light, and they believe that Aes Sedai, because they can use the one power, because male Aes Sedai broke the world uh, however long ago in the past, they believe that anything to do with the one power is part of the dark one, uh, uh, a tool of the dark one. And um, we find one of these white cloaks there. He is 
he, he he's having a little dinner watching uh, an Aes Sedai burn at the stake for being a witch. And then he carries uh, her ring along with others, showing that he has done this before as uh, as trophies on his belt. We don't get any of the names of these white cloaks in this episode, but it's fairly, fairly uh, obvious here from that opening scene that they're not good people. They think they are. They think they're doing the right thing. They think they are... Uh, bringing uh goodness into the world bringing you know destroying evil they're very puritan in that way it's like you will be as pure as me if i have to kill you you know if i have to kill you to make that happen to make this world as pure as i think it should be i will kill millions of people to make it happen and that's that's not right um so yeah the group are on the run we learn that uh, Egwene, uh, when they make their first stop, their first rest overnight after they have lost the Trollocs, because once they cross the river and they destroy the ferry, the Trollocs have to find another way to cross. So uh, Lan and Moraine and the, the other four, they're, they're given time to then lose the Trollocs. You know, they, they are able to escape far enough that it will be difficult for the Trollocs to follow them at that point. So they make camp, and that night, as everyone is bedding down, Moraine and Egwene go off together, and Moraine tells her, well, first we learn of the three oaths, the three oaths that um, the three oaths that Aes Sedai have to take in order to be raised to become an Aes Sedai, basically. Um, they actually take these oaths on something that's called an oath rod. It's a, it's a Tyrangrial, which is something that is imbued with power. So when they make these these promises while holding this oath rod, the one power binds these promises to them. So they, they, they make these oaths. The first one is to speak no word that is not true. The second one is to make no weapon with which one man may kill another. The third one is never to use the one power as a weapon except against dark friends or shadow spawn or in the last extreme defense of her life, the life of her warder or another Aes Sedai. So, by making these oaths on the oath rod, they are forced. They don't they don't have any choice but to tell the truth. But as we learn later in the episode, you can tell the truth without telling the truth. So an Aes Sedai may be forced to tell the truth, but it may not be the truth you are expecting to hear. And so it's something that you have to really pay attention to when an Aes Sedai is talking. And so the, the reason this comes up is because Moraine is telling Egwene that she can be uh, she uh, can control, she can channel the one power. It's something that is born within her and that it's going to happen at some point. So she might as well start learning how to do it. But Egwene is, you know, Egwene at first is is afraid. Why are you taking me out? Because Moraine wakes her up and takes her out into the woods alone. And she's like, are you going to kill us like you did that ferryman? And that's when Moraine talks about these three oaths. And one of them is to never use the one power as a weapon and, and, and not to kill and blah, blah, blah. And she said, I did not kill the ferryman. I sunk the ferry. He chose to jump into the water and climb onto that ferry. He killed himself over, you know, a choice that he made. She's not the one that did it. Later, they run into these white cloaks. They're, they're riding along. Lan is always, he, his horse does twice the work of everybody else because he's always, dropping behind to cover their tracks. And then he rides ahead to scout 
and make sure they're not riding into trouble. And at one point he rides back to him and he says, there's white cloaks coming. And immediately Moraine takes off her ring. She, uh, the Aes Sedai wear a ring that identify them as Aes Sedai. And as I said, the, the, the opening scene has a, uh, a white cloak, uh, burning a, an Aes Sedai at the stake and taking her ring. And, uh, they actually chop her freaking hands off. So when he takes her ring, she, her hands, she's, she's alive. She's tied to the stake. The, the flames are starting to grow bigger and bigger. And these, her two freaking severed hands are sitting on this table next to her. And uh, this white cloak comes and picks one of the hands up, pulls the ring off and puts it on his belt along with his other trophies, the other rings. But Maureen takes off her ring, gives it to Lan so Lan can hide it. And she tells the others, you know, do not mention that I am an Aes Sedai. Don't say anything about Aes Sedai. Ask, uh, answer any question they ask of you as truthfully as you can. She goes, I am a, a lady from a fallen house. And we're going to Whitebridge. That's where they're going to a place called Whitebridge. And so the fact that she said that means that she is in actual, uh, actual fact. I'm, I'm forgetting how to talk. She is actually a, a lady from a fallen house. We have to assume that at this point because she cannot lie. So before she became an Aes Sedai, she was a lady of a fallen house from somewhere. The white cloaks come up and they're questioning them and she tells them that they're going to Whitebridge to visit her sister um, and that she at this one of the the guy that had burned the other Aes Sedai at the stake. He's there. We learn that he's what they call a questioner and he's because he's a questioner. He has to question them. So immediately he goes to her and he starts patting her down and looking her over. He's I, I'm assuming looking for evidence of a hidden ring. He touches her up on her, like on her neck, around her clavicle area, and she winces in pain. She said she was wounded by a monster at a village. And uh, they say, where are these monsters? And she says, Terran Ferry. They, they've attacked Terran Ferry, and, and they, they look at her wound. And the, the head white cloak, who's not, not the questioner, but the head white cloak says, that is a, a wound that, that could only have been made by a Trolloc, and the only people that can heal it are Aes Sedai. So even though they don't like the Aes Sedai and they consider them evil, I, he he actually tells her, he's like, we don't have anything to do with the Aes Sedai. We steer clear of them. But if you can find one in Whitebridge, they're the only ones that can heal that wound. And so the White Cloaks head off to uh, Terran Ferry to confront the Trollocs. But the questioner says he wants to take the rest of the questioners south because they're heading south because, as they put it, they have heard a rumor that a group of Aes Sedai are heading south to confront a man named Loghain. There's a war in the South, a man named Loghain who has set himself up as the as a false dragon reborn. So after the White Cloaks right away, Egwene confronts Moraine. She goes, I thought you couldn't lie. And she said, I didn't lie. And she says, well, you told them that you were visiting your sister. And she goes, all of my fellow Aes Sedai are my sisters. And that's when she tells Egwene, Aes Sedai cannot lie. But the truth they tell you may not be the truth you're looking for or something to that effect. And, you know, you have to you have to listen carefully when an Aes Sedai speaks. Well, they continue on. We learn that Moraine is uh, because of her wound. She's growing weaker and weaker. The same time she's healing them. She's she's providing them with the energy they need to keep going. And that's taking, you know, that's sapping her strength. Um, The first night that they that they camp out. 
Rand has this dream that he he's laying there, you know, where he fell asleep. He wakes up and he's in this dream and he's choking on something and he reaches into his mouth and he pulls out a freaking bat, a dead bat out of his mouth and it falls to the ground and he he wakes up from the dream, you know, very startled and he looks and next to his bedroll is a dead bat. And he starts freaking out and he he finds the others uh, just a little ways away and they're standing around looking at other dead bats all over the ground. And we learn that the others from uh, the two rivers have all had dreams involving bats. Matt says that in his, the bats were flying and had their necks snapped as they were flying as if someone was just reached out, you know, someone he couldn't see just reached out and, and snapped their necks. <clears throat> Moraine asks if there was a man in their dreams and uh, Perrin says there was a man with embers for eyes. And we did see that in Rand's dream. This is, as the Wikipedia entry says, this is supposed to be Baalzaman. That's the name. One of the one of the names given to the Dark One. If the show progresses anything like the books, we're going to see a lot of these dreams uh, and we're going to see Baalzaman in these dreams. This is a big theme throughout the books. So we're going to see more of these as the show continues, I assume. Rand gets all up into Moraine's face at one point. Uh, he doesn't like being led by the nose. He doesn't like not being told what's going on. He, he's just really upset about everything. And uh, finally, Moraine is just like, you know what? Fine, go your own way. I'm, I'm, I've lost my patience with you. And she and Lan ride off and... Egwene basically tells Rand that he's being a jerk and she rides off and follows them. And then, of course, the Matt's like, look, I understand why you're angry. I am, too. But uh, we are all that we have and we have to stick together. And they all end up following Moraine, Egwene and Lan. Um, eventually, Moraine gets to the point that she is so weak that she they're 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 they, they've made camp and she's sleeping but she's, you can just see that she's, she doesn't look good. She's wheezing. She's not breathing very well. And then the Trollocs show up. Land gathers them all up. He grabs Moraine, uh, hands her to Perrin, who's in the saddle. And he tells them all to ride. He tells them to go, I don't know, whatever direction. There they will find a city and, uh, you know, a ruined city called Shatter Logoth. And that's where they're supposed to go. Moraine earlier in the episode uh, makes a point to tell Land that it looks like they're getting close to Shadar Logoth, and that they do not want to go there. But at this point, she's passed out. She won't wake up. Lan leads them into the city. It's a big ruin. Um, he tells them, they, they go inside this, like a church or something in the city, and he tells them that this is a city that uh, walled itself away from the rest of the world. It, it, it built walls around the city without gates. They were supposed to come to the aid of Manetherin, which I should back up. At one point as they're riding, Matt starts singing this song about Manetherin and a man named Amon, and the other uh, Two Rivers villagers uh, sing with him. And Moraine makes a comment about it when the song is done, and Matt's like, I, it's just a song. I don't even know what, who Manetherin is. And she, she tells them that Manetherin was a city, and it's, it was an ancient city, um, powerful city with a, a small but powerful army, and it used to sit where the uh, Two Rivers is now. And she tells them this whole story that during the Trolloc Wars, uh, Manetherin was, uh, again, a, a small, had a small army, but they were powerful and they were a thorn in the Dark One's side. And so the Dark One sent his, his full 
force his entire army to attack Manetherin. Manetherin, the king of Manetherin, Amon, uh, sent out messengers calling for aid and was told that if they could hold for three days, the aid would come. It was after 10 days. They held for 10 days and they realized that help was not coming. After the 13th day, um, the queen sent the women and children into the mountains to hide, but some of the women didn't go. They gathered weapons and fought by the, 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 their, you know, their husbands and brothers and sons sought by their, fought by their sides with the army. Said there was not a foot of ground that wasn't, that they didn't give one foot of ground without it being covered in blood first. Um, and in the end, after all of the soldiers and the king had died, she said that the queen felt her husband die and in her anguish reached out with the one power and struck down the army of the this army of evil, but that she had gathered in too much of the one power, more than any one person could handle, and that it it uh, uh burned her out and killed her and and uh said the blood of Manetherin still sings in the two rivers and that these the these four villagers are are you know descendants of these great people from Manetherin. Uh, so the city of Shatter Logoth, they were supposed to come to Manetherin's aid on that day during that battle, and they never did. And the city was cursed or something, and and now it's just an evil place where nothing lives. And he and Matt, it's kind of funny. He goes, okay, first that's the that's the most words you've said since we've met. Second, why did you bring us here? And Land's like, we didn't have a choice. The Trollocs won't come here, uh, but don't touch anything. So that night, Matt goes out by himself. He sees what he thinks is the shadow of a person ducking into a building. He follows this, this shadow, and he finds under a bunch of like old rusty weapons and, and trash and junk a, uh, a small wooden chest. And he digs the chest out, and he opens it up, and there's this very fancy-looking dagger with a ruby in its hilt. Those of us who've read the book, we know what this dagger is. It's the, the, the ruby-hilted dagger. And this is a big thing for Matt. This is this is a big part of Matt's story. And even though he was told not to touch anything, he takes the dagger. And I'm sure they'll touch on it at some point, but we have to assume that he's taking it because it looks like it could uh, he could get a lot of money for it. Well, as he's heading back to the rest of them, uh, one of the horses, the, the rest of them are in this building. They hear one of the horses crying out and this shadow, and it's it's really interesting the way they they uh, portray um, Mashadar, Mashadar, however you pronounce it. They don't mention what it's called. I don't believe they may have. Maybe I missed it, but it is the evil of Shatter Logoth. And I feel like when I when I read about this in the book, to me it was like a, a dark cloud. It was like a black smoke that just um, and I. I feel like that's how they portrayed it in the book. Like it was this black mist, a black smoke that just uh, floated throughout the city. And if you touched it, you died. This was more of a, of a creepy, like living shadow that just, it wasn't in the air. It was on the ground. It was on the buildings and it just crawled around all over everything. And they hear that one of the horses screaming, they go outside. The shadow is creeping across the fricking ground and it touches one of the horses and it starts covering one of the horses and then the horse just dies and turns to ash. And so everybody of course is like, we got to get out of here. And they all jump on what remaining horses are left. Those of the, those who can, some of the horses run away. Actually, I don't think, I think only Lan and Moraine end up on horses, but uh, the horses run away. Um, 
and the villagers are separated. You have Rand and Matt, and then Egwene and Perrin. They are separated by basically the shadow uh, stretches out over the street. So they they are separated. So they have to go their own way. Um, but they all end up escaping Shatter Logoth, but they're all, you know, they're all separated at this point. And then um, we're going to assume that everybody is okay. We know that uh, Rand and Matt, uh, there, the, there's a, a, a river that borders the city and Rand and Matt find a big fallen tree that they pull out into the river to, to cross the river. Um, Perrin and Egwene end up on one of the walls of the city overlooking this river and they have to jump off of the wall into the river. Uh, Lan and Moraine, Lan picks her up, throws her on a horse and he wakes her up and he's like, we have to go. And she's like, where are we? And he goes, shatter Logoth. And she goes, you've killed us all. And uh, so he throws her, he, he picks her up and they get on a horse and they ride off, they get out. And uh, they ride into the woods. He takes her off the horse and he he lays her down and he's checking. He's, he's trying to figure out what he can do for her because she's dying. And then suddenly there's a knife, like a, like a freaking, well, it's more like a sword at his throat. And he turns around and it's freaking Nynaeve. And she looks like she has been through some stuff. Nynaeve is such a badass in this show. She's just standing over him with a sword to his throat. And she's like, tell me where they are before I cut your throat or something like that. And that's how the episode ends. And I was just, man, it's, this is so good. It's so good. It's, it's meeting all of my expectations and then some, and again, it's so not like the books. I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's so much about this that's different than the books. And yet it feels so familiar and so comfortable at the same time. It's kind of like, I, I'm looking at this at this point, is it's like, if it followed the books exactly, I mean, I, I suppose it would be fun, but at the same time, I'd, I'd be watching this going, all right, well, I know this story. I, I've, I've been here. I've, I, I know what's going to happen next. And in essence, I do kind of know what's going to happen next. However, in the book, um, Moraine was not stabbed because I don't think I mentioned that in the previous episode. During the attack on the village, Moraine is stabbed by a freaking Trolloc weapon. And Rand's father, Tam, he is also stabbed by a Trolloc weapon. And apparently, if you get cut by a Trolloc weapon, your wound is poisoned by Trolloc poison, and it's going to kill you unless you are healed by an Aes Sedai. Well, Aes Sedai cannot heal themselves. And so this whole thing with, with Moraine being stabbed and dying, you know, kind of like it's it's like what happened to Frodo in Lord of the Rings, uh, but she can't heal herself. None of that happened in the book. So knowing, you know, I'm watching this and I know that Moraine's not going to die, but still it's a, it's an interesting bit of story that is new to me. So it's like, basically I'm watching uh, a show with these characters that I've known for almost three decades that I have, uh, you know, that I've fallen in love with, with all of these characters, but it's almost like I get to see them telling new stories with these characters, new stories that are very comfortable to me. And, uh, I'm just enjoying the crap out of this show. I don't know what, I don't know if there's anything else I want to say about this episode. Um, oh, there's the scene where, um, Perrin encounters some wolves. So, I'm not really, I don't really want to give away what this means, but just like Matt and the Ruby Hilted Dagger 
those though he that is part of his story and it's a big connection and it's a big it's that that's a big thing that happened to Matt. That's a that's a big story point. It's a big story point that happened to Matt. It's a big thing. It's a big chapter in the book of Matt. Well, wolves are a big thing for Perrin. And I'm I'm not going to explain why at this point. Maybe they'll get into it here in the third episode. I don't know. But it was really cool to see them. Um, wolves have a lot to do with Perrin uh, going forward. Uh, the way that they are brought into his life in the books, are qu- it's quite a bit different. There is another, an entirely different character involved. And now at this point, I don't even know if that character will show up in the show. I feel like he will. Again, it's a he. I've given that much away. I feel like I've seen this name on the casting list. But we'll see. Uh, the character I talked about in the last episode that was supposed to be in the Two Rivers uh, but wasn't in the show, should be with them at this point, but isn't, have not seen him yet. He did not uh, show up at all in this second episode. I have a feeling we're going to see him in the third because based on what I know from the story, from the book, uh, after they're all separated here at Shatter Logos, um, in the book, Rand and Matt were with this other character, and there's there's something big that happens to the three of them after they were all separated. So I'm assuming that's still going to happen based on what I've seen in the trailer, but they're going to meet up with this character first, and then that's how this character ties into the story. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, again, we'll talk about it here when I go over the third episode. But uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna wrap this up. So I can uh, get on over there back to the couch and watch this third episode and then be really sad because I'll have to wait a whole week before I can watch episode four. But hey, hey, hey there. Hey, listener. Hey there, listener. I want you to do me a favor. If you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, please go rate the show. Give it a rating. One through five, it's 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 stars. You give it a one through five stars. Five being the best. That's what I prefer, hint, hint. But you do what you feel you need to do. You rate this the way you feel it needs to be rated. But I need it to be rated. The more ratings I get, the uh, higher up in whatever algorithms Apple Podcasts uses so that folks can see it when they're doing searches and all that junk. Basically, it helps get more eyes and therefore more ears onto this show. And that's what we all want, right? I would like to think that you would want more people listening to this show, unless you just want to keep it all to yourself. And then that's kind of selfish, don't you think? So go out there, do that, rate it, give me a rating. I would truly appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to go and watch episode three. You're going to get that episode tomorrow on Wednesday. And then the rest of the week, Thursday and Friday, we're going to be talking about Hawkeye, which is coming on Disney Plus on Wednesday. Until then, folks, my name is Steven, and I am the streaming fool, because who else is going to do it? You? Yeah, you probably could. (laughs) That was dumb.